Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. for giving us the greatest gift that could have been given to us. On this Holy Sunday, I promised Emma Sutton, who lives in uh, uh, Las Vegas, that I would say to the church that she is grateful. I think many of you know that her son, 40 years old, transitioned to the presence of the Lord last month. And she wants me to acknowledge the thoughtfulness of Pleasant Grove Church. She's been our friend for a long time, and she loves us. So, Emma, on behalf of you and your family, we continue to pray for you and to love you in the name of Jesus. I praise God for the kingdom, I call it Jesus' work, that's being done within PGC, in our community, and those we are a blessing to. It is a phenomenal experience to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. And I thank God for the growth of our church spiritually and in love. I want to lift up families who have lost loved ones. I won't call names because there are times when I am not aware. But if there's anyone in our family who has lost someone, I want them to know that we are always praying and always asking God to provide whatever is needed to transition to the next phase of life. And to Hetty Little, a woman of God who is phenomenal. We praise God for you. We praise God for you. We praise God for you. And the example that you have set for us You don't do anything halfway. You always give a thousand percent. Even when your body aches and your neck hurts, you come to the house of the Lord with a willingness to do the Lord's work. May God always bless you and hold you close. Let us pray. Most holy and everlasting God, we need to hear from you. And Father, we pray right now for supernatural preaching power in the name of Jesus. And above all, dear God, I pray that your word today would transform hearts and that we will be different when we leave this holy space. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for life. And thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us the gift of love here at PGC. And we will always, always, always give you all praise, all honor, and all glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. 
Let the church say amen. Amen. What a wonderful worship experience this is. I praise God for the privilege to stand before you. And I have truly been blessed by reading chapter 3 of John. I've been reading it over and over and over again. And the verse that I'm focusing on today is verse number 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, only one and only son. And Danny, during the week, I've been asking myself, what would happen if we say, for Hetty, so love Jesus that she gave her total being to him? What would happen if you insert your name in that space? The word tells us what God has given, but what have you given in the name of Jesus? And I find that a fascinating and very personal question for God, for Connie, for Shireen, for Benita, for Belit. Just try that in your study and reflection time. My sermon title is Gift of Love. What is love? Ha! Huh. We alter our lives for it. We cry about it. We die for it. We empty ourselves. We cheat. We fight. We steal, we lie, we dream, we pursue, we forfeit our lives for love, and we wait for it. And yet many of us live and die and never experience the agape love that Jesus is preaching and teaching about. There are many, 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 many quotes about love. And all week I have been blessed to read and reflect upon some of them. Maya Angelou said, I am grateful to have been loved and to be loved now and be able to love because love liberates. If James Baldwin says that love takes off the mask we fear we cannot live without and know we can live within. In his book, Sister Sandra, in the essays of The Fire Next Time, he reminds us that real love always allows us to let our guard down and be our authentic selves. Love is fearlessness. Michelle Obama said, we choose love, we must. Our love for our children, our commitment to leaving a better world, our love for our country, our love for fellow citizens. She said the love is more than a feeling. It is a gift we give to our community that helps make the world a better place. Love is a choice. In one of his many poems, Langston Hughes describes love as a thing that is often painful and unrequited, but still a blessing to experience and feel. Love is, Minister Brett, having no regrets. In 2018, we lost Naska Shang, author of First Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide, When the Rainbow is Enough. If you haven't seen it, it's a powerful movie that talks about and teaches about self-love. But through her work, she left us with a lesson that love is a journey toward finding and appreciating yourself for everything you are. Love is a divine act of self-care. Beyonce says that love is an endless act of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. Years ago, the release of her record-breaking album, Lemonade, and I know all of you have heard it, 
Beyonce gave this poignant reminder that love sometimes means forgiving someone who has hurt you and choosing to love them all the same. Let the church say amen. Love is forgiveness in action. Octavia Butler says that paradise is one's own place, one's own people, one's own world, knowing and known, perhaps even loving and loved. I really like this one by Lucy Clinton. She said, the leaves believe such letting go is love, and such love is faith, such faith is grace, such grace is God. I agree with the leaves. In her poem, The Lessons of the Fallen Leaves, Lucille Clinton tells us that love sometimes means walking away and leaving people and things behind. Love is being brave enough to do what's right in the name of Jesus. Victor Hugo said that to love or have love that is enough, ask nothing further. There is no other pearl to be found in the dark folds of life except love. Alfred Lord Tennyson said that it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Nicholas Sparks says that love is like the wind. You can't see it, but you feel it. And Charles Dickens said that a loving heart is the truest wisdom. Henry David Thoreau says that love is no remedy for love, but to love more. And Zora Neale Hurston said that love makes your soul crawl out from its hiding place. Don't you like that one? That love makes your soul cry out from its hiding place. And Shakespeare said, Camp, that love looks not with the eyes, but with the mind, and therefore is winged Cupid painted blind. Hallelujah. When you are loved, you can do anything in creation. When you are loved, there's no need at all to understand what's happening, because everything happens within you. And finally, Gandhi said, where there is love, there is life. Jesus is the reason we know what love is. In laying down his life for us, he taught us everything that we need to know about true love. And yet as humans, most of us fail at love because we do not know the clear definition. Love is self-sacrificing, generous, unending, not a temporary feeling or attraction. Because I love you and I'm kind to you and because I do what's right by you and in spite of your behavior does not mean that I'm a wimp. It just means that I love God and Jesus and I want to do the right thing in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? Love is self-sacrificing, generous, unending, not a temporary feeling. And many of us do not realize that love is not just a feeling. When I counsel couples who are going to get married, I always say to them that you have to be sure that you have a God-centered relationship where God is the instrument of your relationship and God shapes your relationship. Because many of us fall in love, eros, but we never experience agape love. If we did, the divorce rate would be a lot lower. If we did, we would have more forgiveness between men and women. If we did, we would have more people reconciled unto the grace of God. The ancient Greeks had anywhere between four and eight different words for love, storage or affection, phila or friendship, eros, 
sexual, or erotic, or romance, agape, unconditional, divine, selfless. And my sermon today is based on agape love, which is God's love for us. God does not stop loving us when we are bad. God does not stop loving us when we do not do the right thing. But God loves us unconditionally. And God clings to us whether we hold on or not. The Duke says that, as a, as the Greek said, that's pragma, a committed, long-standing love. And then there's philatia, self-love, manic love, obsessive, possessive, addictive, dependent. Love is and always has been a complex concept. It is an emotion, a state of being, a choice, an ability, a gift, a force of all of the above. If our relationship with others is strictly defined by friendship, there's a limitation. If our friendship and our relationship with our spouse is only grounded in eros, we will never experience agape love. In order for any relationship to advance, you have to have agape love. Because one day, eros won't mean the same. One day, phila won't mean the same. So therefore, we have to be in a relationship with God that allows us said, I will love you forever, regardless of what you become. We need to make the commitment in life to others that God makes to us. We need to learn that love is not based on my mood and how I feel. We need to understand that God has high expectations of love. And there is nothing that God is ever going to do to marginalize his love for us. And God's expectation of us is never going to change. The Bible tells us that the love of God for Christ on humankind is that we should have a spiritual love that is not self-love, but rather self-sacrifice. Hetty is an example of self-sacrificing love. Secondly, love is generous and not selfish or greedy. Do you know people who say they love you and everything is always, always, always about them? Spiritual love is unending, not a temporary feeling. I love you when I feel good, but when I have a headache, no, I don't want to be bothered. It's not a temporary feeling. So if we want to grow in our relationship and love with each other, first we have to grow in our relationship with God. Spiritual love is undeserving and often unreciprocated. You don't give and love someone because they love you. You give and reciprocate because God has made provision for you that you could not make for yourselves. So we have to understand that love is beyond our boundaries, that love is beyond our ability, and the only way that we can truly love each other is with the power of God. So love is understanding. Love your neighbor, the Bible says, hate your enemy. But I tell you, Jesus said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I have been fascinated by the Lord's conversation with Nicodemus. Early in the chapter, we find Jesus having a conversation with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus, as you know, is a teacher of the law, Natasha. And he had a lot of questions, so he came to Jesus privately to ask him, how can this be? And Jesus was talking with Nicodemus, actually teaching him, and he said, 
you can only, he said, how can you be born again? Nicodemus wanted to look at the intellectual concept of being born again. And Jesus said, yes, you've been physically born only one time, but you must be born again by the Spirit. Jesus was also saying it's not enough to go down in the water and come up with that new identity. The deal is not sealed until you are filled with the Spirit of Almighty God. It's the Spirit that allows Natasha to dance and express her love for God that way. It is the musicians can only play that way and commit themselves to excellence because of the relationship that they have with Jesus Christ. It's love that allows you to go beyond your boundaries. And Nicodemus was trying to understand a spiritual matter in the flesh. He was trying to understand how can this be. And I find it fascinating that even when Jesus explained to him, he was still looking at him, looking perplexed among. He was still asking, how can this be? And in verse number seven, Jesus confronts Nicodemus directly and personally. He said, you must be born again. I'm not backing away. I'm not backing down. I know that you know and you are a teacher of the law, but the law has been fulfilled through my presence and my journey from heaven down here on earth. And even though Jesus was trying to take the time to explain all of this Nicodemus, Nicodemus was still being legalistic. And what I have discovered about human beings is that we can easily be more legalistic than we are loving. Amen. We can easily find what's wrong and question it, but rarely do we stand up and speak in words of love to each other. And then Jesus asked him a question, how can you be the teacher of Israel and you do not know the truth yourself? He said, I came to fulfill the law. If you have your Bible, one of you or your phone, go to Numbers verses chapter 21, verses 4 and 9. And I want you to look at that passage of scripture. And sometimes people ask me, Pastor, why do you always have an Old Testament scripture and a New Testament scripture? And when I study, my desire is to always tie the past with the present so that we understand that the promises of God are being fulfilled and we understand that God is making good on his promises. The word says that now the further to clarify his own identity in the meeting of his coming down from heaven, Jesus refers to a particular incident in the life of Moses. Near the end of the years of wandering in the wilderness, and shortly before they entered the promised land, the children of Israel once again murmured in their unbelief. Does that sound like somebody you know? So the Lord sent fury serpents among them that brought disease and death. And then the people repented and cried out, We have sinned. And again, Moses interceded for them as he had shown and the Lord commanded Moses to make a fiery serpent of bronze and to hang it on a pole. And the people who had been bitten and were sick unto death could be healed only by lifting up the eyes and looking at the serpent. And I thought that was just fascinating, and we will someday study that in more depth, but they would be saved only by an act of faith and looking up to God. 
So if you're not willing to look up to God, then you're not willing to be saved by God. And what the Lord was saying here is that I'm showing you that the law that Moses preached, I have come to fulfill through love. And he said to Nicodemus, don't make it complicated. He said, we can see in these verses that the lifting up of the Son of Man is an act of love. Lifting up anyone is an act of love. Anyone can step on someone who's down, but it takes courage to act in love. So the verses about lifting up the Son of Man is an act of love. The act is not an afterthought or a last minute emergency, but love is central to the very nature of God. How many of us are still like Nicodemus? We want our experience with God to be an intellectual conversation. So he kept asking, how can it be? The word says that the wind blows. You can't see it. The word says, I say again, that the wind blows and it has its own sense of direction. You can't see it, but you can feel it, but you believe that. So when I hear people say that they don't believe God, there is a God, and they want me to prove that, I pray for them. And realize the only way that we can truly experience is know God is confess that we do not have the ability to comprehend nor understand how all of this happened. How did Mary have a son? She had never been with a man. How is it that Jesus ends up in heaven? And how is he, Kim, that he get a first-class flight back to earth to save us because we couldn't save ourselves? God is an awesome God. But how many of us are still like Nicodemus? How many of us are waiting for a fiery chariot to come to deliver us? Well, I'm here to tell you today that I have good news, Alex, that God has already delivered on his promise, that God has already given us everything that we need. Humanity has always struggled to define love and is constantly redefining it, but God's definition is clear and will never change. And that's when Paul records in 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. You ever meet people and they can tell you everything that you have done wrong from the time they met you to where you are now. You can't argue about the present because I need to take you back 10 years. Remember it when? So what I'm saying is that if you want God to love you unconditionally, then we need to love each other unconditionally. I'm not saying that we ignore sin, but I'm saying put your energy into praying that I will be more like God. Put your energy into asking God, show me how to love this person that does not love me. Show me how to love a person who is arrogant and self-centered. Show me how to love those who neglect your kingdom. Show me how to love those who hate me. Show me how to love those who do not acknowledge my human, me as human. Love is not proud, it does not dishonor, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. I'm not here to evaluate the status of your love in relationships, 
I'm here to give you a biblical foundation so that you can assess yourself. But if everything in you is still based on feelings, I would venture to say that you have not yet experienced Gopi love, which is unconditional. Love is a choice. And I love it because we get to know that there are times when it will look as if we're being abused and being neglected and mistreated. But there is something about being a child of God and giving from your heart that it gives you such peace that it surpasses all understanding. And I love the verse in Isaiah, and I quoted that because for to us, I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come for the rich and famous. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come for the righteous and those who know the law. I'm so glad that Jesus came for all people, whether we are brown, black, blue, green, yellow, or white. I am so glad that God sent a savior and says, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. What I'm saying is not your, your gift all by yourself, is that God has given us this gift together. And for God to think enough of us to give his best, it raises the question, are you giving God your very best? Are you giving God everything that you have? Or are you still sitting waiting to be lifted up and praised before you do anything for Almighty God? For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I'm here to remind you that he will be called Wonderful Counselor. What do you call him? I don't know. But I call him my best friend. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. COVID will not take us out because God is bigger than COVID. The pandemic will not take us out because God has allowed the pandemic for a specific reason so that we will get to know God again and that God is alive and well. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice. I'm proud of social justice. I'm proud of the work we do, but I'm really proud that I did not deserve justice. And in the midst of my sins and my ungratefulness that God sent his only son so that I have my life and have it more abundantly. The zeal of the Lord is almighty. The zeal, I said, of the Lord is almighty. The best gift you can give yourself is not in Crabtree, it is not in any shopping center, it is not in any bag or gift that you get. The best gift you can give yourself is to receive Jesus Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. I said the best gift is to give yourself your family, your thoughts, your friends, your dreams, your desires, and everything that you have to God. Accept the Lord. With your mouth confess that I am a sinner saved by grace. Can I get a witness? I'm a sinner saved by grace. And because 
because of God's great love, here I am. Don't get it wrong. I, I don't want to be a sinner, but without God, I would definitely be destined to death. But one great thing also that sometimes we don't connect the dots. We are born, we are born again, we live, we die. With Jesus, we live again. We live, we die. With Jesus, we live again. If we live and die without Jesus, it's over. I thought about that several times, and I realized that the best gift that you can give anyone at Christmas is to text them or call them to say, I love you, in the name of Jesus. One of my great treasures in life is that my grandma Lillian would write letters to me. And Grandma Lillian didn't go to school, but she would find whatever scrap of paper she could in her house, and she would write these letters and tell me how much she loved me. And she would let me know that you are not by yourself because I am praying for you right now. I'll never forget how, when I was in college and my grandmother was making $5 a day, and she would send me a dollar and 25 cents so that I could do my laundry. And I realized it was because of God's love in her heart that she could love me more than she loved herself. So my prayer for the church is that we will experience God's agape love and that we will take the time to show that the love of God has transformed my heart that we would take the time to tell someone who is a sinner, you can be saved by grace. That you would take the time to say to one, I don't have houses, gold, jewelry. I don't have all these things to give you, but I can introduce you to Jesus who can save you from the world. And I lift his name of praise team, will you come? We lift up the name of Jesus because that's the gift of life that comes from God. So church, today I pray that you receive the gift of love and above all that you experience the presence of Jesus Christ this Christmas. God be with you and bless you. www.pgc-carry.org
thank you again.